Hey, what's up, my brothers and sisters? This is your boy, Trey, back with another episode of the No Disrespect But Podcast. And as the intro suggests, basketball is back, baby. And and let me be more specific. The NBA is back. Um, and I am excited as an avid watcher of the sport. Um, fan, play the game. Um, I love it. Glad it's back. But... Um, I am, to be honest with you, kind of on the fence. And so I did want to preference um, my statement by saying, hey, I love basketball. I want to see a 2020 NBA champion crowned. But, but as a fan, sometimes you have to separate yourself from the game in that passion. It's just kind of think... From a, a human standpoint, because, you know, as fans, fanatics, um, we tend to forget that these athletes are people, too. Um, they have families, friends that they care about. They have, you know, other dreams and aspirations off the court. They're included in a lot, whether that be um, getting into different business ventures, um, community activism, things like that. I mean, I love having grown up in a generation where we were allowed to see athletes in that light, like they weren't these mythical beings. We saw them being human and going through, you know, human emotions and, and things that go on in the everyday life of, you know, an individual. And so it's been a unique uh, set of circumstances being able to grow up in that environment and see that they're more than just athletes. They're more than basketball or football or whatever sport they play they're more than that they're they're still people like you and me they just get paid at a very high level to do something that they love i think that's something we all aspire to do um you want to find something you love and if you're lucky you'll get paid for it and so that's the way i see at least they're just people who found something they love and they just happen to get paid for it and so thinking in that frame of mind you kind of think of you're ha- on one end, you're happy. You know, you've you've endured months without sports. Um, you know, some leagues have come back with NASCAR. Um, I think uh, the Women's Soccer League uh, has come back. The MLS, the men's, uh, or the Major League of Soccer, that's the men's division. They've, they've come back. I know overseas, um, some of the Premier Leagues, they've come back. Um, and then in other sports, baseball is, is talking about making a return. And so... You see that that that's kind of where we're headed in terms of the sports um, entertainment industry. But we still have a whole lot of issues um, going on in our country specifically. But, I mean, there's a lot of issues worldwide as well. But just kind of sticking to the frame of American sports coming back and outside of football, the NBA being probably the most popular sport. Um, and I, I would say it's starting to rival the NFL, but um, with it coming back, there is some some trepidation in terms of the the consequences. I mean, we've we've progressed to a point in terms of enlightening issues on racism and police brutality. We've gotten to a point where we've never been before, where the world's eye is on. America and how we're going to rise from the situation. 
and, and how we have the conversations with the people and, you know, and giving them exactly like what we asked for. Um, and with that, it's like, hey, do we really want to bring the NBA back? Do we really want to bring some of our major sports back? Because we on one end, we don't want to distract or or, or take people's attention away from what's going on, because this is the most we've had the ear of not only the people fighting on the streets, but the lawmakers who are responsible for making these changes. We, we have their ear as well. And so do we and, and you only have though their ear when you have the ear of the people and the will of the people and their focus is on getting these things done. But um, you have, you know, so we have we have some avenues. Um, Kyrie Irving, a, f- a couple of weeks ago, um, he's an NBA player. He started a players coalition with about 100 NBA players who had expressed some concern with coming back for for one for that being one of the reasons in terms of, hey, we've never shed so much light on racial injustice and police reform in this country. We don't want to be the ones to take that attention away. And. And I respect his opinion. Um, I personally felt like, hey, I feel like you can do both. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with him. I do think sports will be a distraction or, or can be a distraction. But um, I still think there's a way to work around it. Make sure you hold your, your owners or your team governors accountable and making sure they're helping um, in terms of trying to garner support for uh, policy change, policy changes. Um, so I think that was... <clears throat> There was ways to go about that by by still coming back and playing and using the the NBA platform um, to do so. So I was kind of I was kind of on the fence with it. I understood both sides, um, but where I was very surprised in terms of those who opposed um, Kyrie and other NBA athletes, their position, um, you know, they they would say, "Oh, he he's just mad because he's hurt. He can't play." Um, you were saying people were saying that, that was an ignorant take um, to have or an ignorant perspective to have, um, which I think was was honestly very disrespectful um, to him as a, a very intellectual uh, person. Um, and, and I think a lot of players, I think they, they put some thought into this. This wasn't something on a whim's notice that they were like, hey, let's just decide not to play. Um, sometimes I, I get it. Some people say, well, you don't really have a plan. I get it. Sometimes you don't, you can't have a plan then and there. Sometimes you just have to make that statement for shock value until you get a plan. And once he made that statement for shock value, they did start to work, um, and, and talk with league, um, ownership and, and the commissioner, Adam Silver on, Hey, what can we do as a league and as team governors to help in this fight? Um, but it was it was just really troubling in terms of the takes that people were taking, especially when it was coming from the the African American community, because it's like, hey man, we are in a fight for our lives here, and you need your precious basketball back that much. Um, I mean, a couple years ago, we were in an uproar when um, a TV anchor basically told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. We were in an uproar. Hey, he's more than basketball. He's more than an athlete. I mean, LeBron even started a platform that was titled More Than an Athlete and that he wasn't going to just shut up and dribble. But here we are because you may not 
like the player or players that are taking this position, you want them to, in fact, shut up and dribble. And I think that's very hypocritical because you can't take a stance or it's very hypocritical to take a stance that supports how you feel. Uh, because um, when LeBron James was being told to shut up and dribble, he was on the right side of history. Someone was upset. They said, hey, you're an athlete. Focus on the sport. Do that. Focus on winning championships, all that kind of stuff. And we and we gave her hell. But we're turning around and doing the same thing amidst some of the same issues. And we're turning around and telling these NBA players, hey, man, just shut up and dribble. Like, hey. You can't you can't stop racism by not playing. You can't get police reform by not playing. Well, who are you to say that? I think if a lot of or t- the top players in the league said, "Hey, we're not going to play unless you figure out a solution or help us in finding a solution for these things because we don't want to be a distraction or whatever." I think it would bring the NBA to NBA to its knees and um League officials would follow suit and do what they could to help the players uh, fulfill um, their agendas, so to speak, so we can get basketball back. So I, I think there's a, I think there's a way to be respectful of both sides, and so you can't, in one instance, support a player doing more off the court and and being above the game, understanding that. Yes, I get paid for it, but it's still a game at the end of the day. Um, And that I could be anyone. If I didn't have the gift of playing this sport or getting paid to play this sport, I could be anyone. This could be me being handcuffed and being beaten and and things like that. So when, when athletes take that stance, I think it should be applauded, whether it's against our agenda or not. Um, Because when we try to pick and choose, Um, What we want to support when people are doing the same exact thing, I think it creates an inconsistency and it it does no validation. It uh, it makes us lose validation in this cause. So, like I said, hey, I respected Kyrie Irving's stance. Hey, it made me think, hey, am I as a fan? Am I am I too focused on getting the sport back? Because, hey, I got to think about it. Sports, as we know it, was created by the Roman Empire in terms of sports has always been a distraction from what we've been doing, whether we were whether we played the sport. I know basketball saved me from a horrible life that I would have had. It was a distraction from a lot of the bad distraction from not having my father around because he moved. And that was a hard adjustment for me. And so having sports in my life helped with that distraction. It didn't change the fact that my dad was many, many miles away. But I knew when I was in between those lines, um, I was at peace. And and what the Roman Empire did was they were a corrupt government. People were dying, starving, and they wanted to hold the government accountable. But instead of, you know reforming some policies, giving the people truly what they wanted, the emperor decided, hey, we're going to bring the games. We're going to have the, the Olympic games and we're going to have uh, 
gladiators fighting and fights to the death, things of that nature. And so uh, basically what happened is the people gravitated towards that. It was something that, oh, this is entertaining. We love to watch. It was very cheap. It wasn't expensive. So pretty much anyone could go. And it distracted the people from the real issues of the government. And and that's all that happens now. I mean, it's still happening in the world today. And and if you want to believe that the the higher powers in government aren't begging these leagues to come back because they don't want to have these hard day-to-day conversations about why there's no police reform, why police departments are having are being militarized. Like they don't want to have these hard conversations. They don't want to know why a police department or talk about why a police department is getting six six million dollars or some of them getting six billion dollars and you have kids starving at school. They can't pay for their lunch. You have homeless people on the streets. But we are funding the people here to protect and serve um, when all they do is hunt. And, and it's not even just from a hunting black people standpoint. Think about it. The vehicles they have, it's designed to catch you if you're speeding. It's it's like a quota to give tickets, things like that. Basically, we have a system that was supposed to be designed to protect and serve people. But in actuality, they're being rewarded for the number of arrests and things of that nature. And so when you have a system like that, morality kind of goes out the window because you want to be the best at what you do and sometimes you have to be dirty to do that and because the incentives we provide to police officers the money we provide to these departments when it's not needed we can we can give this to schools we can give these to teachers we can give this to uh, those in the medical field but we decide to arm our police officers as if they are in the military um the military at home which they shouldn't be but um Again, back to the original point, these politicians don't want to have these conversations. And so they are begging. They are begging for sports to come back. Hell, they are. If you look at it, they're begging for businesses to open uh, amidst a pandemic because they need people to be distracted. Because right now we're all zoned in. It doesn't really matter what side of the fence you're on. You're still zoned in. If you're the asshole who. The, who says all lives matter, that kind of thing, you're still zoned in. If, if you're in the Black Lives Matter movement or you just want uh, police reform or defunding police, things like that, you want statues down, any, whatever it is, in terms of the racial tensions in our country, um, all eyes are in. And all the higher-ups want is for something, something, some divine act of God to come and distract the people from what really matters. And so, look, NASCAR was back, but then did the whole Confederate flag thing. So some people are mad about that. But if they can get basketball, the NBA back, then baseball, and then ultimately football back, especially college football, they'll be fine. That's what they're they're hoping on. That's their, their prayer, that sports come back and distract us from getting our rights. Now, I am a firm believer that if these the sports entertainment industry comes back and you find yourself being distracted, well, I don't think you were really uh, about practicing what you've been preaching. I think you just thought 
Black Lives Matter was a trend. Uh, the funding police was a trend and it was nice to do. It was nice to say, oh, good morning to everyone except the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Like it's some some freaking hashtag, which is not. And so so maybe you're one of those people and you just and when sports come back, you're going to be easily distracted. And and it may happen. And I think that's what players like Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, I think that's to some degree one of, one of the things they were scared of. But I, to them, I say, hey, no need to really be scared about that because the people that really want to fight, um, they're going to keep fighting. It's still, but it's on you while having this national platform and everybody wanting to talk about your national platform to keep the focus on the issues of what matters. Somebody asks you, hey, what about your performance tonight? Don't talk about your performance tonight. Talk about um, the fight. Talk about that. The ball is in your court. You have... Um, you have the power. The NBA is probably one of the only leagues that I know of where the players have the power and you guys can still use it. You just have to be smart and strategic and make sure that the message doesn't get construed, that it doesn't get swept away. I think you can do it. <clears throat> but and like I said, that's only but when we're talking about the, the racial tensions and, and trying to get reform in this country, that's only half of some of my weariness in terms of bringing sports back. Um, one of the bigger ones is that, hey, guys, we're still in a pandemic. COVID-19 is still out. And you have to look at what's going on in our nation. Texas had to close back down. They opened up prematurely. They had a spike in cases. And then they had to go back and cover, and cover things up, man, because people weren't wearing masks. People weren't social distancing. Hell, I just... Um, I just came from my, my vacation uh, with my fiance, and we were in a spot where no one was wearing masks. People were coughing all over. They were smoking cigarettes. I mean, I know smoking cigarettes isn't illegal, but I mean, it doesn't really help when there's a respiratory disease uh, flying around. People were coughing, sneezing their hands, not washing their hands. Um, <clears throat> my fiance told me she had to go to the restroom and saw people just getting out the stall and, and walking out. So, so people really didn't, people really haven't cleaned up their habits. Um, heck, um, I stay in Georgia now. We just had a spike of over 2,000 new cases. Um, and I'm probably testing myself just to make sure I'm on the up and up, uh, making sure I'm not getting her sick and any of my other family members that I may visit getting them sick. So knowing that we're in a pandemic, um, I find it hard to believe that the, the NBA truly has a plan, um, they mentioned having what we would call a bubble um, where the players are going to be or the teams are going to be located at various hotels. They're pretty much going to go from playing the games straight to the hotel. They're not allowed to be out and about in Orlando because it's going to be held at, at Disney World, uh, their sports uh, center. Um, and so they're not going to really be able to do much. Um, I think a few people may be able to. Uh, bring their families, but I don't know if everybody's been allotted that courtesy. But I think a lot of a few of the star players uh, who have uh, wives or girlfriends and kids, especially small children, you can't really leave them at home because you're going to be secluded for three or four months if you happen to advance to the, the NBA finals or deep into the playoffs. So they're basically supposed to be in a bubble, but um, according to one report I read, Disney basically said like their staff members aren't really. Um, 
required to adhere to the mandated guidelines that the NBA has. So, for instance, if we're trying to isolate the games, it's no fans. Well, if I'm a Disney employee and I'm on Disney grounds, I can still go and watch the game. And it's things like that that can compromise uh, one's safety. Um, we're also getting reports on players from some of the contending teams in the NBA because um, they are sending, I want to say they're sending um, 22 teams um, to Orlando, something like that. And these, some of these players on these contending teams have tested positive. Um, <clears throat> and in, in, in the past couple of weeks or so, when I think uh, people's mindset is, oh, you have COVID, um, you rest two weeks, it may get out of your system and you're good to go. But there are some lingering effects of COVID um, that one can have um, and that can affect some athletes, especially because they haven't played in three months. So one, they got to get back in shape and and they're not just getting back into shape to you know play a regular season game. This is pretty much playoff mode from here on out because you have a few teams that are vying for playoff spots. So this is playoff atmosphere every single game. And so from a health standpoint with COVID and just injuries in general, body injuries, whether that's a hamstring, an ankle, um, a shoulders, things like that, are we really thinking of the NBA player's safety? Um, I liken it to what a lot of, of, of schools are doing. When we're wish, we have this wishful thinking. We're, we're calling it policy and saying, oh, well, um, if all things go well, this is how it's going to be. But we don't really want to talk about what happens if it doesn't go well. Um, Orlando specifically has had a spike in COVID-19 cases. Um, and then we take when we take that into account. Then we take some NBA players have already contracted it. Um, I think they I think they said 16 out of 300 players that had been tested had tested positive. So, I mean, from the grand scheme of things, it's really not a lot, but we don't know who those 16 are. That, um, for instance, Nikola Jokic, he's the best player for the Denver Nuggets. He tested positive for COVID-19 about a couple weeks back. So, yes, the season starts in late July. I think uh, training camp starts after the, the uh, 4th of July weekend. Um, but... Will he be okay to come back from his native Serbia and play? How has COVID affected him? He's he's been a he's been a big boy. In the last picture I saw him, he was quite slender. And so losing that amount of weight, how is that going to impact his game? Because he's he's a banger in the post. He's a big guy. Um you can't really get around him. He's a great passer. Um and even for his size, he has a, a level of um what's the word I'm looking for? Um he has a level of stamina that, you know, first off, playing, not playing for three months and then being sick um, and having a respiratory illness, that can have some impact. And we don't really have a plan for, Jokic is one example, but um, we don't have a plan for if the Giannis's and Harden's and LeBron James of the world get sick. I know what you're thinking. Hey, Trey, the chances of that happening is very slim to none. And you might be right. But the fact that there's a chance, like, hey, I get it. We want to play. We want our sports back. We want to have a 2020 NBA champion back. But is it worth it? Is it worth it to tell these players to shut up and dribble and and put your life on the line? 
because we don't know. I mean, everybody reacts to COVID differently. I know when it first started, they were like, oh, it's just babies and elderly people. But then we started seeing people in great health, great health, athletes, um, people who are out and about, very active, getting getting the illness and dying from it. And so people young in their 20s getting it and dying from it. And so we can't just kind of brush it off as it being something that only old and and really, really, really young people have to worry about. And speaking of old, I mean, it's it's one thing to worry about the players, but think about the coaches coaching to me, especially in the playoffs um, in a playoff atmosphere is what separates the contenders from the pretenders. Because at the end of the day, sometimes the players are equal, but sometimes you need to have a, a coach. That can make that adjustment, that one adjustment, that slight adjustment that will put their team ahead. And when we think about some of the older coaches in the league, uh, Mike D'Antoni for the Rockets, uh, Greg Popovich for the San Antonio Spurs, Doc Rivers for the Los Angeles Clippers, who kind of fit um, that bubble in terms of being the most at risk of contracting COVID and being uh, severely impacted by it. We have to wonder if these coaches will be allowed to be with their teams. And let's just, for instance, I'm a Spurs fan, so I'll go with my squad. What if Pop's not there to coach? We are at a very extreme disadvantage. And I love Becky Hammond. I love Tim Duncan. Um, I love Will Will Hardy. I think that's our other assistant coach's name. I love them. But it's it's still just different. You want to have the greatest coach of all time on your side. When you're in those trenches trying to, one, get into the playoffs. And then if you get into the playoffs, trying to get an NBA championship. And so we don't have a plan. I I mean, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I have not really seen a plan from the NBA that will take care of a lot of these, these risks and concerns. And so when, again, when you have players like Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard, who decide, hey, man, we just have some of these concerns. One, from making sure we're not a distraction, one, but two, making sure we're we're not at risk to get sick, but also making sure we're not getting putting our loved ones at risk. Um, I know Avery Bradley, he, he plays for the Lakers, who are right now probably the favorites to win the NBA championship, and he decided to stay home. His son has a respiratory illness, and he, I mean, his son wouldn't have been allowed to go to the bubble. And he didn't want to leave his son. And I commend him for that. Um, I think uh, Trevor Reese, uh, he plays for the Portland Trailblazers, who they're a team that are that's trying to get into uh, the playoffs uh, right now. And he decided that, hey, he's in custody battle for his son. He would rather spend that time there instead of being away from him for three or four months because that honestly would do him no favors in terms of this custody battle um, that he's having with the mother of his son. Um and so, again, let me go back to my original statement. Athletes are more than the sports they play. They're actually human beings. They have worries. They have concerns. They have families that they have to, that they have to think about because it's not just about them. And so who are we to, to neglect that and to look past that, to not empathize with them? Because we also have to make decisions. When you decide to not wear a mask, at the store or when you decide to go to large gatherings and go to the beach and and go to kickbacks and um, and family reunions and family parties, you're making a conscious decision that 
doesn't just affect you. And and it's easy for someone to say, well, look, man, it's not about you. Just go go about your day. Um, don't trouble us. Your inconvenience is of no concern to us because by you being concerned, you are then inconveniencing us. And that's kind of what we sound like when we're upset that players don't want to come back and play. That's how we sound. We sound like spoiled brats. We, in fact, I think this might be the most uh, of a fan we, we ever were in terms of being fanatics because we can't think of nothing else but the loyalties to our teams and to our players that we can't even think for one second that if they have the chance to play and to entertain us that they would decline. But it's bigger. It's bigger than sports. In the NBA, they say it's bigger than basketball. And I, for one... I, for one, and and as happy as I am for the NBA to return on July 30th, I would have loved for the NBA to put their their money where their mouth was. They they, they do this campaign talking about uh, bigger than basketball. Well, what's more bigger than this? Than sacrificing what you do for a living. I mean, you have the money. If you've been if you've been taking care of your chickens, as Marshawn Lynch says, you're okay to miss. This this second half of the season, if we we don't crown a 2020 NBA champion, then we hopefully in October, late October, early November, this uh, this pandemic dies down. We have a lot more policies um, in terms of police reform, uh, racial injustice, uh, not some of this uh, cookie cutter shit that they're doing in terms of voice acting and realism and all that kind of stuff, which I'll get into in another episode. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But um why do we need to play this season? Why? What? What's so important? You want your billions of dollars, and is that, and is it worth it? Are these billions of dollars worth it? Um, it may be. It's not my money. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder, so I feel like I've uh, contributed some to that pot. But, um, but still, is it worth it? Is it worth putting these uh, men at risk? Uh, putting their families at risk. Uh, we're not even talking about the the mental aspect of it of of some some of the players that can't um, be with their families and they have to be isolated for three or four months because we again the NBA started this campaign about mental health. What are your plans about this? Well, we have uh, psychologists and, and and psychiatrists on board and counselors on board that if these players need to talk to someone, they have that. Um, what are what are our plans for that? What are our plans for? If someone gets sick, I just want to know if someone gets sick, will we play? If you're still good, if you're still deciding to play, then then fine. But the worst thing that can happen is you come back and play. A star player gets gets ill or even worse, gets hurt after, again, not playing full on five on five for three months and then trying to get back into playoff mode. Uh, if a player gets hurt and that hurts their team's chances. I think we'll do more harm than good uh, for your sport. And and last but not least, let's make sure that if we're going to bring this back, we can't allow sports to do what it's always done Um, in terms of from a negative standpoint, in terms of being a distraction. I know we we tend to live vicariously through our favorite athletes. um, and, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but where we fall short is when we neglect what's going on in our day to day because all we're focused on is 
how many points did somebody score, how many touchdowns, how many uh, home runs, or how many hits, how many strikeouts, how many goals. If that becomes our focus in the next uh, few months, I think um, we're going to be back at square one, and I don't think that's a place we need to be, uh, especially because we made so much progress and from a from a racial injustice and, and reform in that sense. We've made so much progress, I believe. Um, but we also have people dying um, from COVID as well. It's still here. It hasn't gone anywhere. Um, we're, we're not going to have a vaccine anytime soon. It takes years, sometimes decades for that to happen. We're not going to have a vaccine anytime soon. We're We're kind of in an unknown. We don't really know what's next. We don't know when it will be safe again. I think at some point we're going to have to take that chance but uh, and be out in the world. But is now the right time to do so? I think we, we tried it prematurely before. And some institutions have to close down again. And I feel like sports has always been the torchbearer. It, it it reflects the trends of society where sports, where the sports entertainment industry goes, I think society in a sense follows. And if we open sports prematurely and we think because it may be going well for them that we can do it too and it doesn't end well. And we, we start allowing people to go to the stadiums and watch the games and things like that. Um, where do we end up? Do we Do we suffer for it? Because we want to just force the issue or do we just take our time, play this thing out, make sure people are properly social distancing for once. Stop being selfish, properly social distance, wear your mask, stay six feet apart, wash your hands. Those simple things. Maybe if we focus on that, maybe if that's where our focus is, um, and maybe if our focus is, it continues to focus on, you know, getting some type of reform in this country in terms of how black and brown people are treated. Maybe if we can still find a way to focus on these things, um, bringing sports back won't be so bad. And we can truly uh, be united um, as the facade of sports shows us that unity wins a championship. And I think. The United States of America is fiending for a championship because while we may be contenders, I don't think we're the best of the best anymore. And now's the time to get back up on our saddle and be a great country that we claim to be. Truly do it. And we can't be great until all the players have importance, and are treated fairly. And so, if you can understand that, you can, you should be able to understand why some athletes, and I'm, we're just talking about NBA right now, but some athletes in baseball, some athletes in football, some athletes in college football, uh, may not, they may not want to take that risk and come back. And the worst thing you can tell them is when they're taking a stance is to shut up and dribble. Or shut up, whatever sport it is, tell them to shut up and do their job because it lacks sympathy. It's very insensitive and it's disrespectful. So, like I always say, 
If I say anything that was that offended anyone, that's a good thing. That means I have opportunity to learn. You have opportunity to educate me. So um, always feel free to hit me up on Twitter um, at Future NBA GOV or um, at But Podcast on Twitter. I mean, always available. So hit me up with your thoughts, what you think of this. I just ask that you keep it respectful. Peace.